welcome back to the Dad Chronicle, where we share stories from dads all around the world. I'm your host, Alex Albisu, and this is episode 93. On today's episode, I speak with a listener of the Dad Chronicle who reached out to me asking if he could share his story. His name is Michael Miller, and his story is filled with a lot of hardship, but don't worry, Michael is happier than ever. We start out by discussing how Michael's first wife passed away unexpectedly and left him with two young children. kind of had this feeling of being an adult orphan kind of thing where it was just just me and the kids and that was about it. I didn't really have any family other than distant, distant cousins that I hardly talked to. So it was just me and them and I was feeling incredibly alone. We talk about his current wife and how they were able to blend their families. When people ask me about my kids, you know, I rarely refer to her kids as my stepkids because, hey, they're they're my kids too. I, I love them just the same as I love my kids. We love them all the same. They're all great. We talk about some of the ways that he was able to cope with losing a loved one. Everything they are to you is in your heart. And it's, you know, it's not really represented in all the things and stuff that were them. It's it's all in your heart and you just have to hold them close to your heart. And finally, we talk about his own father and how he disappeared in Michael's younger years. And we talk about how he has rebuilt a relationship with them. He came out for my 16th birthday and celebrated my 16th birthday, drove back to Utah, and the really strange thing was we had never heard from him again. Here's my conversation with Michael Miller. Michael Miller, welcome to the Dad Chronicle. How are you today? I'm doing great. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, you and I have been chatting a bit on social media. You have a very interesting story that we're going to share here on the show. But before we jump into any of that, let's introduce you to the world out there. So how would you introduce yourself to this audience who may not know you? I'm Michael Miller. I live in Colorado. I've uh, born and raised here. 54 years old, going to be 55 in a few months. Um, have four kids, two are stepkids, two are my own. Um, I work for the government in IT. Uh, I've been in IT for like 30 years now. Um, oh, wow. that, that's a uh, happy, happy almost birthday. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's excellent. How long have you lived in Colorado? All my life. And I'm, like I said, I'm 54. Man, I was born I, and raised here. I love Colorado. Went there for the first time earlier this year and I totally get why people love moving there and staying there for forever. I think it's really cool. And we have a bunch of friends uh, who have been on the show, like Mark Spagnolo and and Brian Ibbett and some others that live out in Colorado that have uh, that have been on this show too. So hopefully those are some familiar names. Um, Michael, I want to jump right into things because you have a very interesting story. Like we said, you come from a mixed family sort of situation. Now, uh, do you want to introduce us to your now wife and your children and your stepchildren? My wife is uh, Pam. Uh, her two kids, the oldest is Quentin, and then a year and a half behind him is um, Sierra. Um, let me think. I believe, geez, I hope I get this right. I believe Quentin turns 25 in February, and then Sierra's a year and a half behind uh, him. They both uh, just recently graduated college, and they're doing great. My kids are uh, Michael and Shannon. Michael is 21. Uh, Shannon just turned 20. They're both in college right now. This is a very interesting age, by the way, because this is very much a 
coming into adulthood sort of situation for all of these kids. You know, I think a lot of people think, oh, yeah, you're coming out of high school. You're going into college. Here we go. Here's adulthood. You don't really quite experience all that adulting until really after college. So right now, how are your kids, all of them, how are all of them dealing with going into to the real world at this point? Uh, they're dealing with it about the same way I did when I was that age. You know, they're discovering that adulting is hard and I think they're going to find out that real adulting is still, uh, a few years ahead of them, you know, when different things in life really start hitting you They're um, especially the oldest two, they're getting out on their lives and, um, they've been out of the house and everything and got jobs trying to find, new jobs, you know, they're in that situation where they're just kind of making ends meet right now, but they haven't really found their careers yet. Um, right. you know, and then, and then with the younger two kids, uh, you know, the experience of college and having to manage college and working and everything, I did all that myself. And, you know, there's just, you think, you know, everything when you like graduate high school, but then still, when you get into your twenties and stuff, you realize like, all the stuff that you don't know. And then I found even myself that it wasn't until my late twenties where I realized how uh, naive and everything I was about life in my early twenties when I still thought I knew everything. You just continue to learn and that's what it's all about. Uh, and that's yep. something that I really enjoy in life. Um, let's talk about your younger years. Um, before you met Pam, um, you were married uh, before. Do you want to tell us about your first wife? Uh, my first wife was uh, Julie. Technically, I met her in in high school, I guess you would say. But I say technically because the way I met her was through, um, she was fraternal twins. I met her through her brother. I was really good friends with, with her brother. I ran around a lot with him. And um, so all through high school, I was running around with him. Knew of her, talked to her, you know, that kind of thing as, yeah, that's my friend's sister kind of thing. But um, we didn't actually start dating until several years after high school. I think we were about 21 years old, somewhere around there. And uh, and then we actually uh, dated a long time, probably I think it was about eight years before then we moved in together, bought, actually bought a house together, moved in together, got married a year after that. And, uh, Michael, our first child, he, uh, he was born like mm -hmm. another year after that. What was it like for you at that point? You know, you and, and Julie sitting there holding your baby boy for the first time. It was, it was real exciting. We, we just thought it was just fun. I have, uh, the, best man at my wedding, his motto had always been babies are fun. And I kind of went into it that way too. Um, you know, it was just exciting. I know how many laughs that we shared, um, going through, uh, raising him and, and when he was an infant experiencing all the new things, changing diapers, uh, you know, feeding all this stuff was just so new. And it just seemed like, everything that kind of would cross us up a little bit with, with him, you know, hard times or whatever. It wasn't really that hard, but we just always ended up laughing about it. We just, that was kind of the way she was, was she was a little bit silly and just saw the, the, 
the funny things and everything. And, and I had never laughed so hard in my life as to several situations of all the newness of, of having, bringing a baby home and that kind of thing. Good on you for having such a lighthearted experience with that, because that is in so many cases when I talk to new dads, it's like, Oh, it's stressful. And you know, like it really is. But when you are able to really make light of some of that, I think that's wonderful. That's also a great testament to um, Julie's personality. And, and I think that comes across in how you're retelling this. Um, so you guys had ended up having two kids and then um, Julie unexpectedly passes away. Um, can you tell us about what happened to Julie and, and how it was unexpected? Yeah, we, we ended up having the two kids. Um, she passed when Michael was three and Shannon, our youngest, she was a year and a half. Uh, we had discovered that, well, after my wife had passed, we had discovered that um, she had a heart condition. And, um, actually we had seen symptoms of it in the years leading up to it. But, uh, while she had seen a doctor for these symptoms, it just was never diagnosed and actually looking back on it and how serious the heart condition was, I'm kind of surprised that she survived childbirth through, uh, two kids on that. What was the heart condition? Uh, it turned out that it looks like she had some kind of virus. And actually, I think it was uh, something she had picked up in college. Nobody really knows why. When they did the autopsy, they basically said that it looks like a virus had attacked her heart. And the doctor with the autopsy said that more than 50% of her heart cells were basically dead. So her heart was, you know, barely beating and that kind of thing. And they said that, uh, you know, the only cure for it would have been a heart transplant. My God. I mean, that's so they didn't even it didn't even like really register that that was an issue uh, at first. And then, yeah, the autopsy shows that that's incredibly sad. So, I mean, her kids were that young. Do your kids remember their mother? Yeah, we were we were 36 at the time uh, when that all happened. And like I said, Michael was three. Shannon was a year and a half. Michael says that he remembers her a, a tiny bit. Uh, sometimes Shannon says she does, but I don't think she really remembers all that much of her. Um, they have seen, we do have uh, some videos of their mother and them together and that kind of thing. Uh, so, you know, they have watched that and um, there's lots of pictures of them with her that they, that they have seen and they have in their room and everything. So, yeah. I mean, they do have that, but unfortunately I know that they don't remember a whole lot of her. Yeah. Well, how did you deal with it at the time? Um, well, being at the time, it was, it was very it was a very sudden situation. It's not like she came down with an illness and we knew it was coming. It was basically she wasn't feeling well, you know, one night she went to bed early and she basically uh passed in the middle of the night, you know, so it was all sudden and for me, I'm an only child. Uh my mother had passed about a year and a half before this. 
And basically, my thing was I was feeling completely alone. I remember, you know, coming home from the hospital and everything without her and just having the two kids. And I was like, you know, I guess this is it. I mean, I kind of had this feeling of being an adult orphan kind of thing where it was just just me and the kids and that was about it. I didn't really have any family other than distant, distant cousins that I hardly talked to. So it was just me and them and I was feeling incredibly alone. So what were some of the ways that you got through that? I don't know if that's the right way to to maybe ask the question because being alone in that situation is incredibly difficult. Um, hearing that it was just you and the kids, like how were you able to go from, you know, man on man essentially here with the two kids to being strong for them, trying to explain what perhaps happened to their mother and carrying on for their sake? Um, the The interesting thing about it is that the kids are what got me through it, I guess, because, you know, it was like when you have kids that small also, you you just don't have time to sit around and feel sorry for yourself. They really forced me into, you know, I got to take care of them. Um, you know, the, the kind of the way it's shown or, or the best example I can give on it is that I actually uh, missed the, I guess, basically almost the last half of my wife's funeral because we were in the church and Shannon was a year and a half old. She didn't really realize what was going on. And then it gets to the point where she's, you know, being a year and a half old, she's running around the church and making noise and all this kind of stuff. So I had to, you know, I took her and, and Michael and, you know, out of the church and that kind of thing. So it was, it was kind of always a, they were, they were number one and they let me know that, you know, had to keep going because I had to be here for them. And, and I have to say, they're the ones that really got me through it. That's amazing. That show that's a testament to your strength as a parent. And you should be so proud, like hearing this, I I'm just amazed at your tenacity in su- in the face of such adversity. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I would ever be that strong. Maybe I would, but like, I, I just think in that situation, how hard it would be for me to lose somebody like Deanna. Um, so I give you full props, big respect to you, Michael. I think that's really incredible. Um, let's, uh, think about parents listening to this right now who may be, in a similar situation, you know, God forbid, but I wonder what, what would you tell them if they're perhaps feeling sad or, you know, alone or anything in a similar situation? Being in IT and everything, I am kind of a very linear, straightforward, technical thinker. And uh, in from my experience and what I try to get across to other people in this situation is you you just can't stop your life. You got to just keep on going, especially if you have kids. Um, you know, you got to keep on going for them. And it's kind of cold to say, but the person who has passed is gone. Their life has stopped there. It's 
it's pretty brutal, but in my previous experience with some deaths in the family, it kind of has made me realize that, yeah, their life has stopped now, but yours hasn't. And you almost have to honor them and just, you know, keep on going. Because the one thing I know about my first wife is that if I just kind of rolled up in a ball and stopped my life, uh, she'd probably, you know, whip my butt kind of thing. Um, I, I've heard of and, and seen a few people who basically their life comes to a stop at that moment. You know, they're, they still have their spouse's clothes. They still have the house and everything exactly the way it was when their spouse was gone and that kind of stuff. And I understand that. And it's really, really hard to uh, take care of all that business and move on. But you have to understand that um, everything they are to you is in your heart. And it's, you know, it's not really represented in all the things and stuff uh, that were them. It's, it's all in your heart and you just have to hold them close to your heart. And you just, you can't stop your life because theirs has stopped. You know, you've got a big life in front of you. You got to just keep going on. That's incredibly powerful, Michael. Um, I appreciate that sentiment. I appreciate um, those words of wisdom. I think that's really amazing. Uh, let, let's fast forward a bit. Uh, when did you meet Pam? Actually, that's one of the interesting things, too, is that I met her only um, a month after my wife passed, you know, and there's a lot of opinions on that. And I know. A big part of that was for me feeling kind of alone. So I went out on some of the internet, I guess you'd say dating sites. I met her on match.com, but I kind of just put myself out there that I was just looking to kind of meet uh, a pen pal. This was back in uh, 2003. Yeah. I guess it was, or no, end of 2002, I'm sorry. And, um, you know, and I just basically wanted some other adult interaction and, you know, and just somebody to talk to. I wasn't really looking for necessarily any kind of relationship. I was just, you know, wanting somebody to interact with when I came home in the evening and, you know, and and we did over the internet. Mm-hmm. Nobody, it's like you're tired of uh, talking to your kids all day. You need another adult to talk to. I totally get it. Bingo. Uh, that's that's it. So when did you realize that Pam, there might be something a little more special about Pam than maybe you first thought? My wife uh, passed in the uh, at the end of October of 2002. Um, I started uh, interacting with Pam. Um it was around Thanksgiving time. So about a month later in November and we communicated back and forth, sent emails and, and that kind of thing. Uh, talked on the phone a little bit as, as things went on, but most of it was text messaging and, and emails over the computer. And, you know, as we kind of rolled into December, we saw things could be getting more serious. And then that's when we kind of, we're getting straight up with each other and discussing um, our styles and opinions of parenting and relationships and the rules and stuff we abide by and kind of saw that 
we were both similar and uh and then we uh went on our first face-to-face uh date uh on january 3rd of 2003 Mm. wow man yeah that's amazing that's that somebody like that comes into your life at the right time uh for for that sort of support that's incredible so you got to meet her like when did you meet her kids I met her kids, gosh, I didn't meet them on the first date because we uh, met at a restaurant and... Um, and you guys were both local, like in the same town? Yeah, conveniently, we were both here in Colorado Springs and met at a restaurant, had a really good time, nice talk and everything, and and things went really well. And then I think it was uh, several days later that uh i stopped by her house and uh and brought my kids and everything and met her kids and she met my kids and and we went from there yeah so your kids were still pretty young at that point so were hers uh was she coming out of a divorce or like what had happened there she was she was divorced she had been divorced i want to say for about six or seven years because Quentin, I think he was like seven or eight years old. Um, and then Sierra was a year and a half behind him mm-hmm. when I met her. And I remember she said that uh, she got divorced, I think, when just after Sierra was just born. So um, Quentin was about a year and a half, two years old. So she had been divorced for several years and mm-hmm. uh, kind of making her way through the dating world and and then not really finding anything out there until yeah. she met me. Well, they, yeah, here you are. Yeah. <laughs> you got to wait for the right person. Now, your kids meeting each other, what was that dynamic like? It was it was I mean, it was really good. Um the the interesting thing is is they got along just fine. Um I think uh my kids are just enough years younger than them, you know, like about two and a half, three years younger, that um, there, there. I think there was a generational thing there, and also personality-wise, that they. I have to say, right now, they're not real. I mean, they're not close like brother and like real brother and sister. My two kids are really, really close to each other. Her two kids are really, really close to each other, but they have always gotten along. There was never any fighting. They always. Um, growing up, they've always played well together, and and actually, it was it's was really very easy. Um, the mixing of the kids, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, that's really great. That doesn't always happen uh, so easily. So I'm glad to hear that. Now, like, how important was it for you to get along with her kids and vice versa as you guys were getting into this relationship? Was that a big factor for you? That that's extremely important. You know, and and those are things that we had talked about way back in the beginning of our relationship. You know, we talked about our kids and and what we felt about them and and our opinions on parenting them. And we found that you know our opinions were were pretty similar and everything. So, I mean, automatically, I her kids became my kids, and then my kids became her kids. And actually, to the point since. My kids uh, don't really remember their mother. They actually call her mom. 
Now, her kids call me by my first name, which is just fine because they do have their own dad is is out there and very much in their lives and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, there's that dynamic there. But when people ask me about my kids, you know, I rarely refer to her kids as my stepkids because, hey, they're they're my kids, too. I, I love them just the same as I love my kids. We love them all the same. They're all great. Yeah, that's great, man. I love that perspective. Let's uh, let's talk about when you guys were having those parenting, you know, philosophy sort of conversations. What do you think is the right sort of way to approach that with somebody who um, like, like Pam? Like, how did you approach it with Pam? Because I think about people who are listening to this show who may be trying to get into a relationship or there may be a mixed family situation and approaching that conversation could be a little scary or a little daunting, you know, like how did you approach it in a way that was really well received and uh, really worked towards finding some common and mutual ground there? It was real interesting in that she was very straightforward about it. I was very straightforward about it. And I kind of look at it and I go, when people are dating and they talk about the games and stuff that people play. Those aren't the real games. The real games are trying to avoid all these topics that you really, really need to talk about. Um, you know, especially when you come into this situation, how you handle discipline, your basic thoughts on, you know, how kids should be raised, that kind of stuff. And, and we were very straightforward on, having straight up conversations, very, very honest conversations about it and found that, you know, for the most part, we were just, we, we pretty much matched on everything. And so that's kind of, you know, how things really worked out real well. Right. Wow. I can't believe how you went from a really, really tough situation, uh, to, you know, meeting somebody who is obviously a wonderful partner. How long you guys been married now? Uh, is 14 years in October. Congratulations, man. What a yeah, beautiful outcome from all of this hardship. Um, so when you proposed to, to Pam, you know, you guys agreed to get married, whatever, was there any sort of getting the kids involved in it or, you know, was it just decided between you guys and they honored that? Was there anything, um, tough about that at all for the kids? Not at all. Um, the the interesting thing is is the way it's happened both times in my life kind of technically my wives have proposed to me technically you know they they kind oh, really? of they kind of hint at you know if we're going to be doing this we're going to be married which was kind of my signal you know that <laughs> yeah I better propose so um, okay go get she, that ring Michael go get it yeah when she was uh, she Pam actually moved in with me. And she, shortly after she moved in with me, she really made it known, hey, if we're going to be doing this long term, then, you know, there better be a marriage in the near future. So that was my indication that, yeah, I I need to do this. So, but the actual proposal for the kids, none of the kids had any issues with it. We did um, tie them all into the our wedding um it was kind of a wedding where we were marrying each other but we also kind of married the kids let them know that yeah you're 
you're just as much my kids as the others, you know, kind of thing. And they were all part of the ceremony. I love that. How, how did you include them in the ceremony? I'm sure a lot of people try to do that in these situations. We gave them uh, these, we found these kind of, uh, it was for these situations, kind of, a, it was like a family uh, pendant that we gave each one of them that um, I gave one to each of her kids. She gave one to each of my kids, you know, and, and we just wanted to really let them know that, yeah, they're part of this entire family. You know, we're going at it all together. That is so cool. Let's go back in time to, uh, a a younger Michael here, because, you know, you, we, we talked a little bit about some hardship that you experienced with your young children, but this topic of fatherhood really permeates uh, beyond just your immediate experience as a father, but also how you were raised by your father. Um, You have a very interesting story to tell about your dad. Why don't you take us back to a younger Michael Miller and about your experience being a child to your father? You know, I was, like I said, I was born here in Colorado and uh, my parents finalized their divorce when I was seven years old. I was uh, pretty young. I didn't really know what was going on at the time. I just knew they were separating. And dad had moved out, but he was still in the same town. And um, I guess technically, I mean, back then, um, custodian of of the kids uh, wasn't quite as much of a big deal as it is now. And uh, my parents split pretty amicably and my dad said that, yeah, you know, he let my, my mom have the house and everything and said, yeah, the, I need a house to be raised in. And, and the way it worked was we all knew that, that, um, I would be living with my mom, but I could, since my dad was in town, I could go see him whenever I wanted and that kind of thing. So, um, That lasted for uh, several years, I want to say, until I was about, let's see, I was seven when they divorced, so 10, 11 years old, maybe somewhere in there. For his job then, he got transferred to Utah and was living in Salt Lake City there. And during that period of time, uh, I went out and visited him a couple of times there. Uh, he visited me a couple of times here. We talked on the phone now and then, um, you know, and even when he was living here, I didn't see him that much, you know, it was maybe a couple times a month or, or something like that. But, um, then I can say as our, our visiting back and forth when he was in Utah, then the interesting thing was he came out for my. 16th birthday and celebrated my 16th birthday drove back to Utah and the really strange thing was we had never heard from him again he just completely disappeared off the face of the earth which was really really bizarre how did that happen i know now but back then we did not know why um the interesting thing was that uh i actually had uh a distant cousin that had moved out here who was uh, 
worked for the local police department and everything. And we had talked to her and she used her resources over time to try to find him. And she was saying, you know, the best that they can tell, he, he does not exist. And, um, and we, we actually then had found some traces of some addresses that he might be at, um, had another friend who was visiting family in Utah and he said, yeah, I'll go check out this address and just see what it was. You know, he'd go check out the address and say, it's a vacant lot. There is nothing there. So, you know, it was crazy. Just never heard from him. However, then, you know, jump ahead about 36 years, about uh, just a handful of years ago with the wonders of the internet and all the things that you can find out there. I was doing some searches because my mom and I had never really given up looking for him here and there. And with the internet, I was doing some searches and I found somebody with his name that came up seemed to be the right age, but it didn't give me any information about him. However, it gave me information about who he was married to and that family. And I saw some names of that family, did some searching on those names, found an email address for one of them, just went out on a limb, emailed her. And uh, she got back with me and said, yes, that is your father. He is here, you know, and he told us about you. And he is actually uh, really upset that uh, that he lost contact with you. And um, and he was actually kind of ashamed. And so that was why he didn't uh, reach out to find me. Um, I did find um, through once I did talk to him and. I've uh, seen him and met with him now several times and, and done lots of stuff with him. You know, he indicated to me that he was having some hard times in his life during this period of time where he was actually homeless and living motel to motel and living out of his car and, and um, you know, different things going on in his life and that uh, he was a little bit ashamed about and trying to get his life in order. But then he about the funny thing is about the same time I met my second wife, he met what was, I believe, his third wife, um, you know, at about the same time, it turns out. And he said that she really kind of pulled him out of where he was and got his life straightened out and um, and got him on the right path. Wow. What a story. So how did you deal with all the emotion of that? Were you uh, upset with your father for not being in touch with you for X number of years at that point? Or did you, were you over it? What, what was going through your mind? Uh, at first, you know, and, and I think deep down it, it bothered me. Um, I would never admit to it you know i'd probably if anybody asks i'd just you know let them know that, yeah it's it's all good it is what it is and life goes on but deep down it bothered me but since it was like 35 36 years that he was out of my life um as time went by you know it even got to the point where i was even assuming that he was that he had passed on However, um, 
one thing I think a lot of people don't realize that through that I have learned through the deaths in my life is that when you die, your social security number becomes public record and moves into the death records that are searchable. And I did have his social security number and I had noticed that his social security number never appeared on that listing. So I thought, you know, with some strange hope or whatever that he must still be alive out there somewhere. But, um, wow. you know, as, as time went on, it, it got better and better for me. And, you know, it, it just was, it, it became my normal of my life. Yeah. And are you guys close now? Do you guys stay in touch? Yeah. Yeah. We, we talk on the phone, uh, uh, fairly regularly, not, not often, often, um, you know, our lives kind of diverged, but, um, a couple years ago, I, went out and uh spent some time with him. He likes to play golf. I play a little bit of golf. We played golf, did, you know, different things together. Um when I first found him, he initially came out here uh to see me cuz he was visiting some family that he had in Denver and stopped in to see me and then he actually uh came out for both of my kids high school graduations uh-huh. um which was real nice. So and and yeah, we we correspond on the phone talk on the phone and stuff uh quite often we probably the last time i talked to him was about two weeks ago and he was mentioning that we need to do it more often which we really do but uh oh that's so do you feel any bad blood there at this point or is it water under the bridge truly i had to considering at his age he's in his 80s you know and um there was, I think, a little bit of bad blood that was there between my mom and him, just mostly coming from her that she was upset that he could uh, disappear on us like that and, you know, not paying any child support, that kind of thing. But when I found him, you know, I know that probably our our time interacting is you know, is short. I, I doubt he's going to live till he's a hundred, you know, mm-hmm. it'd be kind of cool if he did, but you know, most people don't. So when I first contacted him, I let him know that, you know, I'm not out for anything. I've, you know, I have no bad feelings about it. All that is just in the past water under the bridge. We just need to kind of go on from where we are now. He's got grandkids, that kind of thing. And, and let's just make the best of it. And did, did he have any other kids outside of you? Like, do you have any brothers or sisters? <laughs> uh, no. And, and he says that he's pretty sure that he's, that he doesn't, <laughs> he, he had a few relationships there that went real bad. Uh-huh. Um, but, um, he says no. And, and I, I, I believe him that they're probably not. It wouldn't surprise me if there was one kid somewhere, but based on his history and his relationships and stuff, uh, no. However, the family that he married into, um, his third wife, I think it is, uh, she had grown kids who actually have uh, kids that are very similar to age of my kids, maybe a little younger, but they immediately took to him as, you know, they started calling him grandpa and, and all that kind of thing. And he looked at, at them as his grandkids. And, and, um, the one thing I'm really happy about for him is they really, uh, 
took him into their family really well. And, and he sees that as his family, which is really good for him. Yeah. Wow. What a story, Michael. Um, so much to, so much to absorb there. You've been through so much and I always like to end the show on some words of wisdom. I mean, you have encountered so much loss in such a variety of ways from losing your, your dad and your having your dad in your life early on as a child, um, to losing your wife. But then, you know, here you are on the other end of it. You've gained, uh, you've gained a, a new sense of family with uh, marrying your wife, Pam, bringing your your all your kids together, finding your father again. What do you say to anybody out there who may be encountering situ- similar situations? Uh, if you wanted to provide them words of encouragement, um, you 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 just like like I said earlier, you have to. You really do have to keep your chin up, and you know life goes on. Now, uh. It may sound kind of cold, but the, you know, when I say that, that life goes on, you have to keep going on. But that doesn't mean that, like my first wife, really, I don't, you know, it doesn't mean that I don't think about her every day because I do, you know, and, and I see my kids and I see her in them and everything. So, you know, just because she's gone doesn't mean that, you know, she's forgotten. She'll always be remembered. But, you know, there's, there's more to life out there. You gotta, you gotta find it. You gotta live it. You can't, you can't stop, um, living just because you've experienced this. And I can say that, um, the family I have now is just absolutely amazing. And the interesting thing is, is when I look back on my life and what I've been through, it, I, I, I'll sometimes sit and think to myself, if I could change things, would I? And it's like, no, it's, it's my story. You know, things kind of happen for a reason, I guess. And it's, there's, there's, you know, I've had a lot of downs in my life, but it's, it's been a great life, especially now I'm extremely happy with my wife and my new family and, and all that kind of thing. It's just, we're, we're doing great and headed in the right direction. Dude, that is so great. Well, Michael, thank you very much for for being on the Dad Chronicle today. Um, you, you know, thank you again for listening to the show and and reaching out to uh, to want to be on the show. I think that this is one of those conversations that will be very valuable to the listeners at home. So again, our guest has been Michael Miller. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. I enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. Michael's story reminds us that it is so important to love and to forgive and to embrace the people in your life. I am so overwhelmed with the amount of tenacity and love that Michael shared during his story. So, Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to reach out. And I invite anybody else out there who's listening who feels like they have a really important message that would add value to this show. Um, you know, I totally welcome anybody to to reach out and talk to me about that. And uh, if it's appropriate, I can certainly have you here on the Dad Chronicle. You can email the Dad Chronicle Podcast at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this show, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast listening service that you enjoy listening to podcasts on. And consider supporting this show monetarily. If you head over to thedadchronicle.com, there's a link there to become a patron. 
And if you become a patron, you get access to a lot of great exclusive content, and it's a great way to support this show and all the operational costs behind it. So again, head over to thedadchronicle.com. There's a link there to become a patron. Find a level that works well for you. Even a dollar a month helps a lot. And as I mentioned before, if you'd like to chime in on the conversation that we just had today, email thedadchroniclepodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to follow me on social media, you can do so by just searching for at Alex Albisu. Last name is spelled A-L-B as in boy, I-S as in Sam, U. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on all the things. So feel free to follow me and stay up to date on all the things going on. Thanks for listening. I'll see you guys next time. If you like this show, check out more great content at incastmedianetwork.com.